If you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Luke chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 5 to 25 in our time together. Last week, is Elizabeth here? No, okay. Which is, uh, last week, I was talking to Elizabeth right after the service, and she shared a particular prayer request connected to work with me, and she said, can we pray? So we, we prayed together and had a wonderful time, and she called me the very next day. She said, that, answer, that prayer was answered. I mean, that's, don't you love that? The problem is it often doesn't work that way, does it? Wouldn't you love it if every time we went to God in prayer, we got an answer within 24 hours? I would love that. My faith would be off the charts. But so often it doesn't work like that. Did you ever find yourself disappointed with God? You've prayed about that particular request for years and have received no response. Oh, I mean, you know God hears, but you haven't actually seen it. And, you know, you, you do a check on your life, and you, it's not like you're being disciplined, you don't think, because you're trying to walk with Jesus, but it's there. If you've ever had that experience... And if I started in the front and we went through everybody in here, everybody has had that experience where you wonder, God, why aren't you working? And perhaps you can enter into the experience of this couple or a mention in Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. Let me read the first couple of verses just to kind of give us a feel for wh- who they are and what they're facing. Bible says in verse 5, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughter of Aaron, from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. And they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. (laughs) The ancient world, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I would think about being a priest in the ancient world, I was thinking that was kind of like a full-time profession. But for most priests living in Judea, in Palestine in the first century, it was always bivocational. You see... About 18,000 priests were scattered throughout Palestine. They were broken into 24 divisions. And twice a year, they would come in for a week into Jerusalem and be involved in all the practices and that needed to go on in the temple itself. Zechariah was one of those priests. So he would come up to Jerusalem and work for two weeks out of the year. And then he would go back to a very, very simple lifestyle. This text tells us that this couple was godly. I mean, they tried to do everything they were supposed to do. And it says specifically, before God, they were viewed as being blameless. Not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But they, they confessed their sins. They, 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 they loved God. They tried to walk with God. 
And they were now elderly. How old were they? Probably in their 60s. And they say, I'm 60. I don't feel elderly. I know. But just the ancient world, you know. You're young. They weren't. Okay. But, 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 but they're at that point in their life when they're no longer able to have children. For us, that's an issue. For a Jew, it was a major issue. I mean... In the ancient world, if you did not have a child, your name would not carry on. And this couple, if they're 60, what, for 40 years? Have been joining hands saying, God, will you just give us a son, our daughter, our child? Please, please, please. They'd prayed that and prayed that and prayed that. Perhaps at this point, They weren't praying it much anymore because it was obvious they couldn't have children. I mean, that's the setting. So as we talk through their lifestyle, you think of yours. What is that nagging? I mean, it wasn't like they were saying, Lord, let us steal from our neighbor. They were asking for a child. Like, that was supposed to be what God did for people normally. And now they're at this point in their life where they're saying, we're trying to walk with God, but we're frankly disappointed. That's the setting. That's this couple. Listen to what the text says here now when we come to verse 8. Now, it came about while he was performing his priestly service before God, In the appointed order of his division, so, you know, remember, they come in for one week at a time, twice a year. So 750 of them descend upon uh, Jerusalem, and he's one of those 750. According to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. Now, folks, you may read that and say, like, whatever. That's not a whatever for Zechariah. You see, just think about it. 750 guys, you're only there two weeks out of the year. You do these sacrifices in the morning and the evening. Best I can figure out, when they did this lot, he had the opportunity of probably going into this holy place to burn incense on the altar of incense probably once every 25 years. So in his ministry lifetime, maybe once, maybe twice, that's it, okay? So he's up there with 750 people. They're doing their thing. They cast light. Whoa, Zechariah, man, you're going into the holy place, and you're going to light that altar. It's like, whoa. So, that, you know, you're a little bit nervous. Matter of fact, as you read the text, let's look what the text says in verse 10. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. So he's gone in, and the people that are out in the courtyard are watching this because this is a special moment. You go in and light this, and maybe God will do something special for the nation because the nation's been waiting a long time too. Did you see? So he's a little bit nervous. Go in, you have this great honor, you say a prayer, you go out, and you pray maybe God will hear the prayer of the nation. And you go on with life, but it's a little bit nerve-wracking. But God's going to up the ratchet this whole thing up significantly, isn't he? 
So he goes in, and he's already a little bit nervous. Look what the text says. Verse 11. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right side of the altar of incense. What would that have been like? Look, you're a little bit tentative. If you've done this, it's probably been 25 years or maybe the first time ever in your life. You're going in. I mean, like, what do you say, hi? I mean, like, how's that whole thing work? Well, we know how he responds. But he walks in, and there's an angel. Look what the text says. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. Whenever somebody meets an angel in Scripture, whenever, they're afraid. So, so, you know, when you have, you know, I've had people tell me in the past, yeah, I saw an angel the other day, and he said this to me. And I always want to ask them, like, well, how'd you react? Well, I don't know. I was shaving, and they kind of kept doing it. I'm thinking, like, whatever you saw, believe me, it wasn't an angel. <laughs> I mean, because when an angel appeals, appears, I mean, people, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's bright. It's glorious. This guy's already nervous. And the angel does what angels do so often in the scripture. The first words out of their mouth are, don't be afraid. And that's what this angel says. Now, now we know who this angel is, right? But, but Luke purposely doesn't give us the name of this angel yet. It's very, very important to realize that. All you know, all I know is that it's an angel. And the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your petition has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. How are you feeling about this time when you hear that? Can you imagine the emotion going on in this guy's life in a matter of moments? Goes in, you won the lot. Whoa! <sighs> I mean, just one thing after another. Don't be afraid. Okay, don't be afraid. Oh, by the way, that prayer that you've been making for decades. Elizabeth's going to have a child now. Do, do you realize the emotions this guy had to be gone through? I mean, how would you feel? I don't know about you, but I'd be like totally overwhelmed. And, but, but listen to what the angel says. This is so much like God. All of this guy wanted was an answer to a prayer. Let me have a child, so my name can continue. And when this angel looks at him and says, don't be afraid, he's going to paint a picture and say, God in his grace is going to give you something far beyond anything you could possibly imagine. He just wanted a kid. God is going to give him the forerunner of the Messiah. Do, do, you, do, you, do you realize that? We will know of Zechariah and Elizabeth until Christ comes back in the way that God answered this request. He will in one moment answer the request of a couple that has been yearning for God to do something and answering the request of a nation that's been waiting for a Messiah for centuries. All in one moment. Do you see that moment, folks? It's great stuff. So listen to how he unpacks it. And I was thinking, if I was Zechariah, when he says, you are going to have a child, I'm thinking like, hey, that's, that's good. But he doesn't stop there. He keeps upping the ante. Listen, listen, listen to how he unfolds this. 
And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. And I'm thinking about that point. Like, well, that's cool, because my wife's old. She's going to have a kid. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be happy. And the angels say, no, 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 it, it, it's, it's more than that. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or, or liquor. He's going to be a Nazarite. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. All of a sudden, as a dad, I'm thinking like, well, this is unusual. I have six kids. I don't remember any one of them um, while they were in my wife's womb being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and I certainly know they weren't always filled with the Holy Spirit when they came out, that's for sure. <laughs> but that's another story. Okay, that's another story. But my, my point is, this is, this is, he's hearing this story, folks, and he's thinking like, this is not just a son. This is a very special son. It sounds like He's going to be a prophet. I'm thinking like Jeremiah at this point. And he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. I'm thinking, whoa, uh, this is sounding like not just any old prophet. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You know what he just said? Your son is not merely a son. He is not merely a prophet. He is that unique prophet that will point to the Messiah himself. Can you imagine that? I mean, 10 minutes earlier, the guy found out he had the lot. And, you know, thinking about that, a day before, he was probably just gone through the motions. Now he just got the announcement, your kid is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. That's a lot to take in in just a couple minutes. How should he have responded? I mean, the problem is you know the story. Act like you don't know the story. I would have expected something like, wow. Wouldn't you? I don't know. Something like, Lord, uh, let's get at it. <laughs> I mean, like, I can't, I, Lord, I can't even take all the, something, something like that. But, but, but I've often wondered, he's just gotten some of the most news he could not even possibly imagine beyond what he could have asked or think, thought. And I'm looking for one response from him, and I see in the text a very different response. And perhaps, perhaps you have a man doesn't like to get his hopes up because they've always been dashed. I don't know. But listen to how he responds to all that. I mean, it's just been the most glorious, joyful news for him and for the nation all in one moment, right there. In Zechariah, verse 18. Zechariah said to the Lord, How shall I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. I wasn't, I wasn't quite looking for that response, were you? I mean, I, he hears all this, and I, you're thinking just going to be overwhelmed. He's thinking like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I'm 65, 
I don't know how old he was, but I'm 65 years old and my wife is too. Like, how does this exactly happen? Now, in all fairness, I can understand that at one level because he's disappointed. My problem is, Zechariah knew the scriptures. He knew it wasn't at all unusual for God to step into history and take an older couple who could not have children and not only give them children, but give them a child that would be part of a promise that would end in the Messiah. Right? Abraham and Sarah, who were even older. So he had precedent. This was like, it wasn't like something that never happened before. In all fairness to Mary, remember when the angel says the same thing to her? Right? And, and, and she, she's not saying it's impossible. She's just saying like, there is no precedent for this virgin birth thing. But there was precedent for the Elizabeth thing, wasn't there? It had happened before in salvation history. So, 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 but for whatever reason, this really good guy who maybe has disappointments and a whole host of things going on in his mind, whatever, he's just real calculating. Could you please explain this? Matter of fact, better yet, will you prove it to me? Prove that you're going to do this. And I'm thinking to myself, an angel just showed up beside the altar of incense. When you had gotten a lot, which happens about every 25 or 30 years, and you want more proof? Do you see, you see how strange it is? How strange it is? What does the angel say? And you still don't know the angel's name at this point. Not until this verse, verse 19. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. So here he is talking with this angel saying, look, look, bud, could you give me some more proof on this thing? I don't know, whatever. Some other sign. I know you just appeared beside the altar, but like maybe something else. Do you see what's happening? And the angel says, I haven't given you my name yet. My name is Gabriel. Gabriel, who stands in the very presence of God. And God was so interested in you and in answering your request and in answering the request of the people that he literally sent me here to speak to you. Do you not see that? And then the angel says, you're done, you're finished, we'll find somebody else. Does he say that? No, God's far more gracious than that. Aren't you glad? Because he would have passed over every one of us. Do you see? But the angel says this, You may be disappointed. You may have a whole host of doubts and reasons, but you need to know something. I am still going to accomplish what I have promised you. You may have doubts, but I will do it. And, and, and rather than give you a sign, I'm going to give a sign to the people through you. Because you will not be able to speak, and, and folks, this isn't always clear, but I would argue he could not speak or hear for nine months. 
The reason being, if you go to the end of the chapter when he actually does, he is able to do it, it's quite obvious that he can't hear what people are saying. They have to sign to him as he has to sign to them. So I would argue that actually he, he could not speak or hear for nine months in that moment. And, and God would use that as an ongoing reminder that he should believe God. But God in his grace will still use that as a sign. So when he does speak again, all the crowds nine months later are going to like, wow. Do you see? Isn't that just like God? To both discipline us, but to still use us for his glory by the way he responds. So the text says, verse 21, or 20, let me just read it. Behold, you shall be silent, unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which shall, which shall be fulfilled in their proper time. Zechariah, you will not stop my faithfulness. You will not stop my kindness and my goodness. Verse 21. The people were waiting for Zechariah outside. That's what they do. And were wondering at his delay in the temple. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. This guy didn't know sign language. So how do you speak if you know no sign? Do you see? He can't hear. He can't speak. And, he, and they're coming out and they're going like, and he's going I don't know what he's doing, but, but he, he's trying to, how do you explain an angel showed up to you and you're going to have a kid and he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah? Like, do you see? I've often wondered if he's up there for a week, what was the rest of that week like for him? I don't know. One of my questions I ask when I get to heaven. Verse 23, 24. I'm sorry, verse 23. And it came about, when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. So the end of that week, whenever this happened during that week, he goes back home. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. Do you see God's grace there? For a guy who in the face of, of all the signs you should probably possibly need, still doubts, like us, and God still acts. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. She kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace from among people. And the text ends. Now it actually is going to pick up again, but that would be for another day. I thought as I've read through this passage. And th this is kind of the, the one point that, that, that just, just kind of bubbles up, and it's this. Don't be surprised when God advances his kingdom purposes in response to our personal prayers. Can I say that again? Don't, be surprised when God advances his kingdom purposes in response to our personal prayers. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll take that as an amen. Um, will God always 
answer your prayers the way you want them? No. No. You know why? Because he always hears your prayers in light of what he is doing at a much larger level. Do you realize that? And so sometimes he will say no to us because it feels so right, but it's not ultimately what will accomplish his purposes. But you know what he often does? In his timing, when he chooses, he will not only answer that request, but he will so connect it to a larger kingdom purpose that he's trying to advance and do that we will find out that the answer was much deeper, much richer, much more wonderful than we could ever have imagined. So you have been praying for months for a job. God, I'll take anything. But it would be nice if it was a, in a managerial position. You know. But you know, you know you, you, you're, just, you're, you're praying, right? We've all been there. We've had those experiences. And what God does is, he doesn't just give you that job. He gives you that job so that you can be connected to people and develop a network of friends and relationships to whom you can begin to share the gospel. And people can come to faith in Christ and entire families become saved and lives transformed. And you turn around and you thought, I thought I was praying for a job. And God connects it up to the advancement of his kingdom. Do you see? When you pray about that need that is so personal and so deep, always ask God to connect it to his kingdom of purposes. Always say, God, how might this further your purposes? I don't know, but I really would like this, and I'd love it if we could do both at the same time. But I leave that with you. That's exactly what happened here. A young man was born... A young man grew up in the wilderness. A young man pointed to Jesus Christ and said, he is the way. A Messiah came. A Messiah lived. A Messiah died, buried, resurrected. On high now. And this guy had the privilege of pointing to Jesus more clearly than anybody that had ever come before him. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were given that son who would accomplish that task. What does God want to do with your prayer needs? I know he always wants to connect them to his kingdom purposes. Will you pray that way? Will you ask God to work that way? And then sit back because like a serendipitous experience, God will do things where you'll look back on and you'll say like, wow. And haven't you found that? You've prayed, God's answered, and he's given you far above anything you could ask or think because he's connected that to his larger kingdom purposes. So I read this story and I see myself everywhere. I uh, would love it if God would prove himself to me a whole lot more often. Because in my darker moments, I'm a bit of a cynic. But God knows what I need, when I need it. And he answers those requests 
often enough in a way that he does the miraculous that I sit back and I say, you are the one true good God. And that's what he wants to do for you if you know him as your Lord and Savior. Christianity is not something we play at. And we don't just pray to God about a personal need and whatever doesn't. No, it's all connected, folks. Everything we pray, everything we worry about, every concern in our lives, it's all taken to a God who is forced in the person of his son, and he's always up to something through that very need that we're struggling with. Oh, that's how it works. So you can come to God for decades, if need be. And even that process, you're coming to a God who is for you, who's probably answering other things in special ways to encourage you, even though that big one isn't handled exactly the way you'd like. Isn't that how it works? So at this Christmas season, think most about Christ. But once in a while, about Zechariah. And when you think of Zechariah, don't think ultimately about Zechariah. Think about an incredibly gracious God who hears his people and wants to connect their personal needs with his kingdom purposes. And step back and watch God do what only God can do. Father, would you do what only you can do in our hearts? Would you overwhelm us with yourself? Lord, we struggle. We have needs. We have questions. We have doubts. We have a whole host of things. Would you so work, Lord, in light of our requests that you connect them to your larger kingdom purposes in ways that we can see that will help us in our faith walk with you, cause us to praise you, and remember again that this is who you are, for you've done it in Zechariah by giving him John, who would point to Jesus. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.